pastors here and excited to open up God's Word with you this morning as we continue our way through the book of Colossians and our series that we are calling Christ is Enough, as we're seeing over and over that Jesus is sufficient for us, that He is enough. Uh, the Colossians, like us, they, they heard the gospel to begin with, right? They heard the good news that it was about Jesus, that Jesus had accomplished it all for them, but then no doubt they were similar to us, and at some point maybe they became a little disillusioned with their faith. Do you know what I mean? Like, you become a believer, and then suddenly you're wondering, like, I thought it was going to be better than this. Not that being a Christian isn't good, but I thought I was going to be better than this. I I thought somehow I would improve much faster than I am, and this is really frustrating that I'm still the way that I am. And so other people came in, as we've talked about in previous weeks, they started telling them, well, maybe there's this higher knowledge that you need, there's this deeper understanding that you need, or as Peter told us last week, that there is, well, some rules that maybe you need to keep. And if you just keep these rules, then it's going to be better, and you're going to start getting better. And and what has Paul done over and over again? He said, no, those things aren't going to make you better. A higher knowledge isn't going to make you better. Um, rules aren't going to make you better. They are of no use, ultimately. And over and over, what has he done? He's pointed us back to Jesus as he's told us, how is it that we really grow? And as we dive into chapter 3 this morning, where we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, as we dive in, we see especially, Paul's going to really talk to us about how it is that we grow as a believer, and I hope we will um, look closely as we do. Let's read it now. Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator." Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father 
through him. Let's us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray that as we dive in this morning, it would come alive to us and, and we might see a bit, at least, of your plan for growth, of how we mature as believers. Oh, we so desperately, we so desperately want to look more like Jesus. And we struggle to do so. Would you help us to see your plan for us through your words, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you may have seen the Jason Bourne movies. Uh, you, you remember the, the, the Bourne identity. Uh, Jason Bourne, you know, he's pulled in out of the sea, and he's got bullet holes in his back, and he, he eventually wakes up, and he's completely clueless. He's got amnesia. He doesn't know who he is. But yet, at the same time, he doesn't know who he is. He's got incredible skills, doesn't he? Uh, he's got incredible skills of combat. He's, he knows multiple languages. He finds out that, that he has a safety deposit box in Switzerland. And, and then just as things go on, he's sitting in a diner with, with somebody, and, and this is what he says. He says, who has a safety deposit box full of money, of six passports and a gun? I come in here, and the first thing I'm doing is I'm looking for an exit. I can tell you the license plate of all six cars outside. I can tell you that the waitress is left-handed, that the guy sitting at the counter weighs 215 pounds and knows how to handle himself. I know the best place for a gun is in the cab of the gray truck outside. And at this altitude, I can run flat out for half a mile before my hands start shaking. Now, why would I know that? How can I know that and not know who I am? You know, he was, he was wrestling with, you know, who in the world am I? And one of the things that we've seen all the way up until now, and we're going to continue to see this morning, one of the things that Paul tells the Colossians and tells, therefore, us over and over again. He reminds us over and over again who we really are, who we really are, that we are really bound up with Christ, that we're united with Him, that our identity is in Him, but sometimes we suffer amnesia, don't we? Maybe even on a daily basis where we seem to forget what our true identity is. So how does this play out? Look at how Paul starts off. How does he start off in verse 1? Therefore you... You have been raised with Christ. He points them back and he reminds them of that incredible truth. You've already risen with Jesus. When Jesus rose, you rose. And he then, go, then he begins to tell them, okay, this is how you're going to begin to grow as a Christian. But you see, it comes first with him reminding them of who they are, reminding them of their identity, reminding them of the fact that they have risen with Christ. And he says, because of who you are, not to become who you think you need to become, but because you already are a believer, but because you already, your identity already is in Jesus, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. What does he say? He says, seek the things above. Set your minds on the things above. Set your mind, set your heart, set your everything. Where? Who's there at the right hand of the Father? But Jesus, set your heart and mind, set your everything on Jesus, not on the things of this earth. Now, does this mean Paul has a negative view of, of the earth? I don't think that's what Paul's intending here. Whenever he's using the word earth, he's using it like sometimes um, other writers use the word world, for instance, too, where they're, they're talking and they're using it as kind of like a synonym for all the things that are opposed to God. 
All those things that are opposed ultimately here to Christ. And he's saying, no, focus on Jesus, which is above. Don't focus on the things here of earth. Focus on the thing that saves, the one who saved you, the one in whose identity you are found. Don't focus in these other things that constantly distract you from him. Why? Because verse 3, you have died. It's already taken place. You've already died in Christ. When he died, you died. And right now, in your present, you've been raised with him, right? As he already told us, you've been raised with Christ. You are no longer who you used to be. You are, verse 3, listen to this, you are hidden with Christ in God. You're hidden with Christ. That's a strange way of putting it. But just think of it, we're being told that we're being united with Christ, that we're in union with Him, that our identity is found in Him. But as we look around, that's not necessarily what we see. That's not what the eyes of the world see. They can't quite see it. We can't even quite see it in ourselves sometimes, right? But it is true. It's as true as can possibly be. We are united to Him, but that truth is in some way kind of hidden in Him. But there's a great future to work, look forward to, Right? You see, right now, He is our life, but we get to look forward to that day when that which is hidden in Him will be brought to life. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. What beautiful news. What incredibly good news for us that in the past, we died with Him. Right now, we are raised with Him into the heavenly, so we should set our minds upon which is above, not which is on earth. And we get to look forward to that day that all of this is going to be made clear for all eyes to see that we are truly united with Christ. And so this is the first thing that we need to see, is that we first need to look up. That's the first thing I want us to see, is that, that we must look up, and real change and growth takes place when we look up and we understand who we really are in Christ, that we understand where our identity really lies. So first, we look up. But we don't just look up. That's not the only thing he tells us here uh, in our passage. You know, one of the things that I've found as I've counseled folks over the years is often, you know, they come to me, whatever it may be, they're depressed, they're down, they, they, whatever may be going on with them internally. And at some point or another, I will remind them of the things that we just mentioned. I will remind them of the way that that their identity is in Christ and they're united with Him and they need to focus not on the things of this world that are distracting them and bringing them down and making them depressed, but they need to focus on the things that are above. They need to look up, right? But inevitably, what I then hear is, yes, but. Yes, but I, I don't really like myself. Yes, but I don't really think other people like me. Yes, but I don't really feel loved. And you see what they're saying? They're saying, okay, yes, I've looked up and yeah, I know that's true, but... But what? They don't really get it. And in order to do that, yes, we must look up, but we also must look in. We need to look into our hearts. We need to be pointed to the inside. And that's, I think, what Paul one of the things Paul does for us in this text. I mean, he gives us several lists of things, right? Several lists of things to put to death, to put off these sins that we need to get rid of, right? 
And just notice, I'm notice that first list in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And what I want you to see there is what, what Paul is doing is he is like zooming in on our heart. Okay, these are like heart things. These aren't things that, this isn't a list of things that most people you can just look out and you can see that people are struggling with these things. These are things that you struggle with in your heart. And he's like zooming, zooming in on our hearts. And he wants us to look in, look into our hearts and see what we find. What what, what does he say there towards the end of that list? Your passion, your evil desire. Literally here, literally what the word is, it's over-desire. What Paul is saying is there's some things that you desire too much. You see, there's many good things in creation, right? The creation is filled with good things that we're intended to enjoy, but what do we do? We take these things of the creation and we begin to over-desire them. We desire them too much and we begin to desire them more than we desire Jesus. And it leads to covetousness wanting these things that aren't ours, and we got to have them. And what is that? He names it idolatry. Idolatry, whenever we take the things of creation and we worship them instead of the Creator, where we think we're going to find our joy in the things of creation instead of the Creator, where we find our worth, where we, where we make these good things. These are good things, many of them. And we make them ultimate things instead of making him the ultimate things. And he gives a couple more lists to help us kind of digest and think through our hearts, doesn't he? Verse 8, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. He's talking about these, these things that begin to become a little bit more public and people can kind of see in us, right? And can see you doing. And, and then he goes and talks about a couple of things that are more of those sins that you see in the context of relationships, lying to one another. Or then, and it seems a little odd, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. And what he's saying there is, in relationship, what do we tend to do? We tend to make distinctions very quickly and very easily, don't we? We tend to make distinctions where there are done, much as is being done right now on a very, actually, national level, as we see it being played across on the news and the social media, right? As we fail to see that all are created in the image of God, and that's a major failing of us, isn't it? That, that our world that we live in, while we may believe that and cling to that, we need to see that all are created in the image of God. Now, Paul here is talking about something that's slightly different, because he's talking about those who are Christians, That even among, in the Christian context, we make divisions and we divide people up and we make the distinctions where there are none. And whenever we, when you and I, what he's saying, when we look at each other, we should see Christ. We should see where each other's identity really lies, not in other things that we might think separate us. We should first of all see that Christ is all and in all when we look at each other. We should see Christ. Now, to help us out, I think maybe we need to zoom in here a little bit and just kind of think through. He's he's given us all these lists. He's told us all these things that need to to be put to death, that we need to put off. Let's just think about two of them real quick. First one is anger. Okay? So Paul's telling us to put anger to death. How do you do that? Now, you don't just say, 
you got to stop being angry. How well does that work if you tell somebody who's angry they need to stop being angry? It's going to make them angrier, right? That's not going to be helpful. What we need to do is we need to look in the heart. We need to do, I think, what Paul was telling us to do, kind of in verse 5, is we need to look deeper within. We need to see what, what it is that's underneath that anger. So, for instance, one of the things that I've seen myself doing recently, you know, when the end of the day comes, finally it's late enough that we can send all the kids to bed, right? And so finally they're all gone, and inevitably what happens? One or two of them make their way back downstairs. What are you doing down here? I need to get some water. And what do I inevitably do? I inevitably bite with my tongue, right? I say unkind things. You know, I just bark at them to go back upstairs. Why do I respond to my children like that with anger? And, it, and it's not, Steve, you've got to stop doing that. It's like, no, Steve, you need to look deeper in your heart. What is it? And, you know, it's at that moment that, you know, I've finally gotten to that point in the day and, and I just want some peace and quiet. I just want some me time. I only got about 30 or 45 minutes before I'm going to fall asleep. You know, so, so please don't disturb my time. And, and so suddenly the idols of our heart begin to show. What's down deep? That's where we need to go. It's not fighting your anger. It's fighting what it is that's making you angry. We need to go deeper. So for instance, another one that he mentions is slander. And, and not to talk so much about slander in particular, but more broadly, thinking of the way that we talk poorly of others. You and I were very tempted to, talk, to uh, talk about others, aren't we? To talk poorly of others. And what is it in us that makes us so prone to do that? You know, I can remember in elementary school and middle school, there were some guys at my school that we were just mercifully, we were just so mean to and cruel to, cruel to and constantly pointing at and making fun of. And why do we do that? So that the focus was on them not on ourselves. It made us feel better of making fun of them. Now, most of us in here, were adults, and we think we're kind of beyond, you know, we don't act like that. We've, we put a holy veneer around that and try to make it look a little more godly, but isn't that precisely what we do? We love to talk about others so that the focus isn't on us. We love to, to talk about others and this is a problem. We, we need to dive in. We need to go deep into our heart and we need to specifically specify our sins. We need to specifically specify our sins. And you know what happens? It begins to remove their power when we do that. Because we've actually specified them. We've actually called them out. And here's another thing. It's like you can't appropriately deal with your sin if you don't deal with it specifically. You, you can't say to God, you, you can't just say some vague prayer to God of confession. Oh God, please forgive me for being naughty today. Okay, maybe you don't usually say naughty, but you know what I mean. Like we, we say these vague confessions to God, but it doesn't deal with the problem of our heart, does it? We think it gets us off, but it doesn't deal with the deep, deep problem of our heart. We must begin to specifically specify our sin to remove its power so that we can actually know what it is that we're trying to put to death, right? But here's the thing. We, we need to look up. We need to look it up and see our identity. We, we must look in 
and, and see how we have, have dethroned the Creator, right? We must look in and see what the idols of our heart really are. But Paul tells us to look somewhere else too. He doesn't just tell us to look up. He doesn't just tell us to look in. He tells us to look at the cross. Did you notice it in verse 6 and 7? On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. Now, in the midst of Paul telling us how we grow, okay, and how we should grow, this seems a little odd. Paul, why are you suddenly throwing in there and talking about the wrath of God? Are you doing this to kind of scare us to be good? Are, are, are you giving us a few uh, tablespoons of shame so that we'll try to be better? I don't think that's at all what Paul is doing. Paul here is telling us that if you, if you want to grow, you really need to understand the wrath of God for a moment. And where is it that you and I can really see the wrath of God? Where do we see it most clearly? We see it on the cross. That the cross is, is where it comes into focus because it's there that we see our Savior nailed to the tree. We see our sins poured upon Him. We see the wrath of God poured upon Jesus in our place where He takes the punishment and the penalty for our sin. It's there that we're able to see it. It's there that we begin to see the gravity of our sin. We begin to see the gravity of what Jesus really has accomplished for us, of what has really been done in our place. It's there that we're able to begin to see that it's me. It's Steve that caused Jesus to utter those horrific words, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? I did that. That's on me. It's there. It's at the cross that I can see the magnitude, the magnitude of my sins. And folks, that's got to begin to change us, doesn't it? It begins to put things into their appropriate perspectives. Understanding the gravity of our sin is crucial. It should make it much more difficult for us to continue. It should move our hearts, if even just a little bit more, and a little bit more. So we look up, we're reminded of our identity. We look in and we see the idolatry of our heart and we see what's really underneath, not those outward things, but the real problems of our heart. And then we look to the cross and are reminded of what was accomplished there on our behalf, what he really did for us how the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus for us. And then there's one final thing. We need to look at our clothes. Might seem a little strange, but that's actually the language that Paul uses here as he talks about putting off and putting on. It's the same language of clothing, okay? To help us out, I want to share a story that's kind of told by, by one PCA pastor, our denomination, Randy Pope. And he uses this. Hopefully it'll be helpful for you. Imagine you're a sailor on an old sailing ship. You're subjected to an incredibly wicked and cruel captain. Everybody on this ship hates the captain. He's ruthless. And then one day, a new captain comes on board. And he strips the old captain of all of his power. But he allows him to roam on the decks for a little while until you get to the next port of call to put him off the boat. The new captain, he's strong. And he's gentle. 
He abounds with kindness. And one day, you're on the deck, relaxing, enjoying the beautiful day. And suddenly that old captain, he walks up to you. And he starts barking obscenities at you. And he starts commanding you to do things. What do you do? You just immediately, you, you pop back into shape. It's like muscle memory almost for you, right? And, and you start listening to that old captain again. And you start doing what he says. And that fear overcomes you yet again. And then the new captain comes along. And he asks you, what's going on? And you explain to him. And he says, you don't get it. You don't, he, he's no longer in charge around here. He has no authority over you. You don't need to listen to him. You see, you and I, we have been given, as we've talked about, a new identity. That new identity comes with new clothes and a new way of living, and we we need to stop putting on those old ways. In verse 5, Paul said to put it to death. Verse 8, he says, put them all away. And then verse 9, put off the old self. What is he saying? He's saying, stop. Don't do it, right? If you're angry, don't be angry anymore. You need to get rid of that anger. But as we already talked about, it's not as easy as that. We've got to go to the heart of it. We've got to go down deep if we're going to put something like anger to death. We've got to get to the root of it. And then as we get to the root of it, we'll find ourselves changing. And we find ourselves changing. Why? Because we've looked up. We've been reminded of our identity. We've looked in and we've seen the idolatry of our heart and, and it's disgusting. We don't like it. And we look to the cross and we're reminded of, of what our, our Savior has done for us, what was poured out for us on the cross. And then we look at our clothes. And we look down at our clothes and you, you, you want to put them to death. You want to put them away. You want to put off the old clothing you want to put off your sin. In fact, you, you can't help but do so. You, you want to put it off because you're disgusted by it. You look down at it and it's gross. You see that it doesn't fit you anymore. And you see, Paul knew something here because remember, he, he doesn't just tell us to put off. He also tells us to put on, right? It's not just putting off because he knows something about us. We were all created to worship, weren't we? That's, that's how we were made. It's, it's part of our very being. And, and after the fall, in Genesis 3, what happens? We find that we're worshiping all the things of the earth. We're worshiping over here and over there. All these other things become our idols and take on the idolatry of our heart. And so, whenever we take off these old things, they got to be replaced, Right? Something new must be put on. We, we must ultimately put on Christ. And here's the thing. Those old clothes, because your identity is in Christ, those old clothes don't fit you anymore. Those old clothes don't fit you anymore. And, and Paul's trying to tell us about new clothes. New clothes that if you put on, they're going to fit you. They fit those whose identity is in Christ. So he says, put on the new self. Put on then, verse 12, what? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Put on these things and 
These things that make you look like Jesus, right? These are the the things that, that make us look like Jesus, and when we try them on, we see that they actually fit. And then as we we go into our relationships, what do we find ourselves doing? Bearing with one another. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Why do we forgive each other? We forgive each other because we of all people know what true forgiveness looks like. No one else in the rest of creation knows what forgiveness looks like like believers do. Because we know what true forgiveness looks like. What it looked like at the cross. What he had to pay. How he suffered the wrath of God for us. And, and when it begins to put our petty differences with people into perspective. And we can't help but. And we begin to want to forgive others. And above all, he says, and this shouldn't be surprising to us at all, put on what? Love. Love, that great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The great commandment. Put on love. He's not telling us a bunch of... you, You see that he's not just telling you a bunch of things to do. He's telling us what it looks like. He's trying to teach us what it looks like to live as believers. Not these are a bunch of things you need to do. You need to understand those old clothes, they don't fit you anymore. You have new clothes. Put them on. Let the peace of Christ dwell deeply in you. Let the word of Christ, verse 16, this is so important. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Put on the word of Christ. You want to be changed? You want to be transformed? Put on the word richly deeply put on the word and we're not just talking about like okay yeah put it on in the morning or at least most mornings when I get up and actually spend time with him no it's putting him on constantly constantly being reminded of his word even as we sing songs he says be reminded of his word and even admonishing one another Encouraging one another, like saying to your spouse, to your children, to each other as as fellow believers, saying, hey, those clothes you're wearing today don't fit you. Why, Why are you wearing those clothes? You need to put on the new clothes. And they'll fit you. They're not going to save you, okay? That's already been done. They're not going to change your identity, it's a matter of, you, you need to, don't you want to begin to live as who you really are? And it's there that we will begin to find ourselves growing. You know, we all want to mature, right? I think. We all want to get better. But we all want a magic pill for it too. We want to just be able to take a pill and to magically be better. Paul gives us a different prescription here. He tells us you need to look up. You need to look up, be reminded of your true identity, of who you are now. You need to look in, and you need to begin to dismantle. You, You need to begin to put to death those idols of your heart, exposing them 
for who they really are, specifically specifying who they really are, dismantling those idols of your heart. You need to look over and over and constantly to the cross and there, and there be reminded of what was really paid for you there, of what He has really done, what He has really accomplished for you on your behalf, what He did that has made you God's chosen ones, that's made you right now, as He says in verse 12, holy and beloved right now because of what He did on the cross. And he's saying to you and me this morning, you're already holy and beloved. You're already mine. Your identity is already in me. So why don't you put off those old things? Why don't you just try? Why don't you just begin to put on the new ones? Now, the old captain, he's still prowling the ship, isn't he? We need to be honest. The old captain is prowling the ship. And he's going to come up to you maybe even today, probably today, maybe even the next hour, and he's going to start yelling obscenities at you. And he's going to start telling you to get to work. He's going to start telling you all sorts of lies. He's going to tell you to put back on those old clothes. Don't do it. Don't listen to him. Those old clothes don't fit you anymore. They don't fit you anymore because your new identity isn't in those old things. Your identity is in Christ. Do you believe it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word we know, we trust, is true. the incredible truth that we find our identity right now in you, that right now we are your chosen ones, holy and beloved, and nothing can change that. That's such good news. Heavenly Father, we, at the same time, we desperately want to change. We, we want to look more like our Savior. And we confess that we often try to do this through our own power and our own strength. But we confess we cannot do this on our own. Holy Spirit, we need you at work in us, applying the incredible truths of the gospel to us, helping us to look up at our identity, to look in deeply and deeply evaluate our hearts to constantly be looking at the cross. And therefore, Father, that you would be more and more stirring in us a disgust for the old clothes and a deep longing and desire for the new clothes. Not because we're going to save ourselves. Not because we're going to make ourselves more holy than we are right now in you. But because we we want to be who we are, the ones who are hidden right now in Christ. Would you do a great work in us, molding us more and more into the image of your beloved Son?
We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.